Thanks, Evan. G'day, everyone. Just have a look around. We're a bit full tonight. That's good. Praise God for that. It's a joy for us all to be together, to dig deep into the Scriptures and to see what God says to us. So have your outlines out and also your Bibles. Keep them open at Colossians 2. We will be looking pretty closely at the verses, and so it's best if you have a Bible in front of you. If you need a Bible, make sure you stick up your hand, and we will definitely get one to you. Feels ready and raring. We need one right down the front here. Good. All right, let's pray. Our Father, we thank and praise you for the Apostle Paul, for his words that come from the Lord Jesus by the power of your Spirit. Lord, we pray now that as we read his words, that we would hear the voice of our Lord Jesus and that his Spirit will be working in us to make us more like him. We pray in his name. Amen. Has there ever been a time where the Christian faith has been more under attack? I wonder what comes to mind when you think of that question. Sometimes it certainly feels that way, doesn't it? Like the Christian faith is being attacked from all sides. As Christian values are slowly eroded in our nation's public life. As heated debate happens in the media and in politics, as you yourself perhaps have been maligned for your faith in Jesus, as the philosophers of this world try to deconstruct Christianity in the name of rationalism or any other ism that you can think of, sometimes it seems like faith in Jesus is more under attack than ever. But it may or may not be a surprise to you that it's actually not under more attack than ever. The truth is, there are times and places in our world where faith in Jesus has been far more attacked than what we face here in Australia. Far worse has been experienced by our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world and throughout history. And I think one of the times it's easy to forget about, one of those times when it was really bad, is the time of the New Testament. Think about it for a moment. The Apostle Paul is writing the book of Colossians from prison. He's going before the emperor of the world, Caesar, because of his faith. Well, think about the pressure for the Colossians, living in a religious city, in a multicultural place, where there would have been pressure from all sides to give up on Jesus. All the different philosophies and religions that would tell them they're stupid to believe what they believe. Well, in our passage today, Paul talks about continuing in Christ when we are tempted to give up, when the Colossians are facing other philosophies that the world throws at us. Well, let's pause and think for a moment. What has Paul been talking about so far? Well, think back to last week. What did we see then? We saw Paul talking about the fact that God's plan was a mystery. In the past, no one knew how God would reveal his plans, how he would achieve all his promises made to his people. Paul says the answer is Christ. The mystery has been revealed. God will fulfill all his plans and promises through him. God will bring about his love, his justice, his peace on this world through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so Christ is the one that Paul proclaims warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom 
so that he may present everyone mature in Christ, saved, forgiven, living for him until the last day. Paul says all of this, chapter 2, verse 4, so that no one will deceive you, Colossians, with, with persuasive arguments. He says, verse 3, Christ is where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. Center your life on him. Don't be deceived. Don't be led astray from the truth by fine-sounding arguments. Well, now, today in our passage, Paul continues on that same track, doesn't he? And he gets to his really big point of the letter. These key verses, the heart of what he wants to say to the Colossians. Let's get into it. Have a look at verse 6. Paul says, Therefore, in light of all this, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. What is Paul's heart for the Colossians here? It's that they, that they would keep going just as they started. That they would walk in Christ just as they first received Him. This is really important, isn't it? How, you continue in Christ- how do you continue in the Christian life? Just as you began. With Christ, focused on Him, trusting in Him, living your life for Him. When you first became a Christian, or when you've seen someone become a Christian in your life, perhaps you can think of someone now, you receive Christ as Lord, as Paul says, what happens? Your whole world changes, doesn't it? Your whole life is turned upside down. You were once lost, and now you are found. You were a sinner bound for hell, now you are a forgiven sinner bound for eternal life. You were an enemy of God, now you're his loved child. Joy, and desp- joy replaces despair and fear. You overflow with thankfulness for all that God has done for you. You have a new Lord. You desire to serve him. Your life is centered on knowing Jesus, the head over all things and living for him. That's what happens when you become a Christian, isn't it? It's been wonderful to see people become Christians amongst us in the last few years. And that's what we've seen, isn't it? But pretty soon, all of this wonderful stuff starts to feel a little normal, doesn't it? Soon the worries of life and the pressures of the world want to choke Christ out of your life. And so you have to choose. You have to decide to continue to walk in Him, to persevere, believing in Him, living for Him. You have to continue as you started. Paul says, walk in Christ just as you started, Colossians. Don't give up. Walk in Him, centered on Him. Walk knowing you are saved in Him, that your identity is tied up in Him. You are His. He is in you. And then Paul goes on to describe what that means, what that looks like. So look at verse 7. He says you have to be rooted and built up in Christ. You have to be like a tree with its roots deeply planted in the firm and steady ground of Christ. You have to be like a house that is built on the foundation of Christ. Sure and strong foundation. 
Look at verse 7 again. He says, you need to be established in the faith, knowing the truth of God's word, knowing the gospel and being convinced it is true. And at the end of verse 7, Paul wants them to be overflowing with gratitude to God. We've already seen that so far in the book of Colossians, haven't we? Thankfulness is part and parcel of being a Christian. It's a key aspect of godliness. God wants our thanks and praise daily. And there are so many things that we have to thank him for if we just stop and think for a moment. Later on in our passage, Paul brings up all these things that we can be thankful for. And we'll get there soon. So Paul says, walk in Christ, Colossians, overflowing with gratitude. Why does Paul need to tell them this? Did Epaphras not do a good enough job in proclaiming the gospel to them? Surely they know this. Paul says, you've already been taught this. He needs to tell them because there are real threats. There are real threats that threaten to take them away from Christ. What are those threats? They are deceptive philosophies. Look at verse 8. Paul says, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. Paul's a bit wordy here, but what is he saying? Let's step through it. He's saying that there are philosophies out there, philosophies of life, worldviews that are empty and deceitful. They don't give what they promise. They're not true. He says they are based on human tradition. They have no reference to God. Their thoughts are the thoughts of us mere humans. And he says they're based on the elemental forces of this world. What do you mean by that, Paul? That's a bit of a funny phrase, isn't it? Well, this phrase has been highly debated by Christians throughout history. We're not going to go into all the different options that people have suggested. But it seems that Paul could be talking about human philosophy that appeals to the things of this world. For example, things like astrology or star signs. They look at the skies and say, this is what governs human life. Or superstitious belief. You know, don't walk under that ladder. That's dangerous. Look out for that black cat. That's bad luck. Or he could be talking about the evil spiritual powers, the demonic forces. They are the elemental forces of the world. And what do they do? They deceive humanity into believing philosophies of life that are not from God. So they reject the one true God. And that's what I think Paul is talking about in these verses here. But regardless of that, Paul makes it really clear in the final part. The final way Paul describes these philosophies, end of verse 8, they're not based on Christ. That's the most important thing, isn't it? Humanity has come up with countless philosophies of life, and 99% of them are not based on Christ. They are void of God's truth, His word has nothing to do with them. Now, the Colossians may have been dealing with a very specific philosophy or religion that Paul said, I don't want you to be trapped by this one thing. And they would have known what he was talking about. 
we don't know exactly what Paul was talking about. And at the end of the day, Paul's words, they apply to any human philosophy of life, don't they? Any human philosophy that isn't based on Christ. Because isn't it true that in our world, there are philosophies of life that try to draw us away from Christ? And there are people who say, this is what is true, and so your faith in Christ, leave it behind. Forget about it. And they try to gently or sometimes aggressively persuade us away from Christ. Paul says, be careful. Be careful of any ism or any anity or any ology that is not based on Christ. Think about it for a moment. How many people do you personally know or have heard about who have walked away from faith in Christ because of this or that philosophy of our day? If you've been a Christian for two or more years, I can almost guarantee you can think of one person. You might be able to think of many people. It's awful, isn't it? It's devastating when someone who professes Christ and looks like they're living for Him gets caught up in some philosophy of the world, some ism, some anity, whatever it is, and they're led astray and they give up. Perhaps you yourself have been tempted by one of those philosophies of our world. I know I have. There's been a few things for me, but one in particular, I've been challenged in the past by that that assumption in our world that the Bible is just kind of a strange fairy, fairy tale. It's make-believe. It surely can't be true. It's too out there. And then people pick apart the Bible. They pick apart the history and accuracy of it. And they try to show how unreasonable it is to believe. That's challenging, isn't it? And I've wrestled with that myself. What has it been for you? I wonder if for many Christians, maybe many of you here, the world's philosophy of sexuality has led you to doubt something about God or something about His Word. Have you ever been tempted to give up on Christ because it comes into conflict with one of the world's philosophies? The Apostle Paul does not want that to happen, does he? And I hope that you don't either. I don't. I desperately don't want a single one of us here today to be led astray from Christ by something the world says is true. That's why we need, why we desperately need what Paul says next. Because Paul goes to explain the big reason why we should not give up on Christ. Why the Colossians should keep walking in Him. The reason is, Jesus is so much better. Look at verse 9. Paul says, For this is why you should continue in Christ. This is why you should forget about deceitful philosophies. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by Him who is the head over every ruler and authority. The big reason Paul commands what he says, Jesus is better 
How do we guard against false teaching? How do we protect ourselves against the lies of the world? How do we continue in Christ, persevering, walking in Him? It's recognizing and remember, remembering Christ in all His fullness. He is better. And that's what the Apostle Paul spells out for us in the rest of the passage. He fires off gospel, gospel truths like a machine gun. Blow by blow, he uses all these different images and theological truths to convince the Colossians. Christ is better. Look at how wonderful he is. Look at what he has done for us. So let's work through these wonderful, encouraging verses that just flow out of Paul. I've listed them on your outline. First, Paul says, he reminds us who Jesus is. Have a look at verse 9 again. We just read it. He is the one who has the entire fullness of God's nature dwelling in him. He is God in the flesh. Christ has all the attributes of God's power and love, his compassion, his holiness, his righteousness. God the Son has become one of us. God walking amongst us to redeem us. Paul says he's the head over every ruler and authority, both physical rulers on earth, spiritual rulers in the heavens. He reigns over all. And did you see his funny play on words? The one with the fullness of God has filled you. If you are a believer, then the Son of God, with all of God's fullness, has filled you. You don't need to be filled with anything else. You don't need any other philosophy of life. You don't need any other truth. You have been filled with everything you need to live for Christ now and to spend eternity in the new creation. You have it all. So why let any other philosophy deceive you? They cannot compare to Christ who has filled you. Paul goes on, he says in verse 11, you have received the circumcision of the Messiah. Not a physical circumcision done with human hands, no, a spiritual one done by God. In Christ, you have put off your body of flesh, he says. That is your sinful nature. You now live a new life in Christ, empowered by his Holy Spirit. We can now do what we couldn't do before. Before Christ, we couldn't please God. Our flesh was stained by sin. Now, God has done away with our old selves. We can walk with Christ in a new life, at peace with Him. We don't need any physical kind of circumcision like some philosophies of Paul's day were trying to say. No, God has done that through Christ. Paul changes the image up in verse 12. Look there. He says, when you came to faith in God's work, when you were baptized in Christ, you were joined to him, united with him, so that what he went through, you went through. He says, your old self has died with Christ. It was buried with him. And now, because he's been raised, you have been raised to new life with Christ. What other philosophy can do that? Then Paul, slightly confusingly, I might add, uses the same image of death in the next verse, 
but he changes the metaphor slightly. So in verse 12, he says, before Christ, you were alive, but then you died. Now, he says, before Christ, it was as if you were dead, completely unable to help yourself, dead because of your sin and unable to save yourself from God's coming wrath. But, but look at verse 13. He, God, made you alive with Jesus. Because Christ rose back to life, you too are spiritually brought back to life. Praise God. What other philosophy can do that? None of them can. Paul's point is Jesus is better. Connected to this is that forgiveness of sins that Jesus has won for us. At the end of verse 13, he says, God made us alive and forgave us all our trespasses. Our sin caused us to die spiritually. God's forgiveness gives us life again. He puts it another way in verse 14. Read it with me. These are wonderful words. He, God, erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. It's as if there was a record of our sins, our debt against God, the punishment that we deserved, and God just tore it up. He says it was nailed to the cross. What does that mean? It means his son was nailed to the cross. So that that certificate of debt, our sin, and God's righteous judgment would be completely erased for us. That was God's sovereign plan. So that through faith in Jesus, everything that we owe, the great debt we owe to God for our sin, it's gone for good. And this means that the spiritual beings working against us have been disarmed. Look at verse 15. It says, He, God, disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them by Him, Jesus. Paul is speaking about the spiritual rulers and authorities, the demonic powers who lead humanity astray and who accuse us before God. Paul says that through Jesus, through his cross, they are disarmed. They have no more ammo against us. They have been publicly humiliated. They haven't achieved their goal. Instead, God has triumphed over them through Jesus, through the cross for all to see. That certificate of debt that they pointed to and said, they're sinners, it's gone. Our sins have been paid for fully and finally. How many philosophies of Paul's day, and even philosophies today, have a great fear of evil spirits? So many. We as believers, we need to know this. Through the cross, God completely disables the power of Satan, disarms his demons. There is nothing they can do against us. Neither angels or demons can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Wow, there you have it. That's Paul's gospel machine gun fire. Did you get hit? Are you okay? Are you wounded in a good way? Do you see what Paul's trying to do in these verses? 
He's saying, don't be deceived by empty human philosophies. Instead, recognize and remember Jesus in all his fullness, who he is and what he's done for you. Because if you do, then you won't be led astray. You won't be taken captive by those things the world wants to throw at us. Something I read this week said that the antidote to error is Christ in all his fullness. Knowing Christ and his gospel is how you continue to walk in him, rooted and built up, established in the faith, overflowing with gratitude. In short, you could say, Paul is saying to the Colossians, continue to walk in Christ. Don't be deceived by the world's philosophies. Why? Christ is better. And we need to hear the same thing, don't we? 6.30 church, don't be taken captive by deceitful philosophies. Christ is better. And there are so many philosophies out there that our world has come up with. Religion or non-religion, philosophies of life, philosophies of work, philosophies of rest. So many of them not based on Christ. Now, I haven't mentioned any isms or anities because we could spend hours and hours deconstructing each of them, thinking about different worldviews, and at the end of the day, what would the answer be to all of them? Christ is better. Recognize and remember who he is in all his fullness, in everything that he has done for you, and then we will be protected we won't be taken captive by the world's philosophies. I'm not saying we can't learn about and engage with the philosophies of our world. We have to sometimes. And sometimes God grows our faith as we wrestle with doubts and challenges to our faith. We look into God's word and we come to a stronger conviction than we had before that Jesus is the one true way. But at the end of the day, what is Paul's answer and motivation to the Colossians? What does he say will keep them walking in Christ, avoiding these deceitful lies? Look at Christ. Look at Christ. Remember him. Recognize what he's done for you. Remember he is God in the flesh. Remember that through his life, death, and resurrection, God has brought you to life. Remember Jesus is head over every ruler and authority. Remember, the cross has freed us from sin and Satan. So when you are tempted to believe the philosophies of this world, when you come across something and you say, that is not based on Christ, recognize and remember, Jesus really is better. And then fill your mind with the truths of who he is and everything amazing that he has done for you then you will walk in him, rooted and built up, standing firm in the faith, overflowing with gratitude. Let's pray. God, our Father, we praise and thank you for the amazing grace you have shown to us in Christ. Thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul which show us who Christ is in all his fullness and the wonderful salvation 
that you have achieved for us through him. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus so that we will not be deceived and led astray, taken captive and walk away from him. We pray for each person here that we will be strengthened by the good news of your gospel so that we might walk faithfully with Christ until the end. We pray in his name. Amen.